that leads to getting stocked on shelves. And I hear it so often, people going, oh, I hate it. I hate being online. I hate being on video. I hate, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but you need to get over it. That's just the way it is. In this two-part episode, I speak with Neve Hogan, CEO and creator of skincare brand Hollos again. And in this second conversation, we talk about Neve's new dreams, how she survived COVID when every order was cancelled, the importance of brand to getting on shelves and what she had to learn to keep her business alive. You will be inspired by Neve's journey and she promises to do this again in five more years. I look forward to seeing where we both are then. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. And today I have with me the second part of an interview series with the wonderful Neve Hogan from Hollis Irish Skincare, which is natural Irish skincare that works. <laughs> See, I grabbed that off their website. So what we wanted to do here was five years ago, I interviewed Neve, as you know, and at that point in her business, business was five years old. Now we're five years later and she's just coming up to or has just celebrated 10 years in business. Is that correct, Neve? No, we're coming up to 10 years in January. It's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to do this because we don't often get to take the journey with the entrepreneur. Often we get all the PR stuff that's, you know, when everything is solved and everything is OK, but it's kind of nice to do a little bit of a retrospect. So everyone has listened to you last week at the time of this going out. So let's have a look. When we left each other, this is where you were. OK, just to remind you, OK. You had four things you wanted to work on as next steps. Neve is actually laughing here, listening to this because <laughs> she's probably going, oh, my God, did I do it? Right. So you yeah. your next steps. This is where we left you. You were building next steps. You're building investment. You're just exporting to the UK, Germany and the UAE. You had a new range coming out and you described them as products that were gorgeous and really worked. And I'm guessing from your tagline from your website, Natural Irish Skincare That Works, that actually you did succeed in releasing that. Well, so our customers tell us. They tell us they work. Fantastic. So I believe them. Good. I like that. Uh, and you were also going to train Hollis therapists so that people could use your previous experience as a therapist with your products and build community. You wanted to build community around that. So one of the themes when we talked to each other the last time was that the idea that you loved planning. So my question for you, obviously, is did the plans work? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> the plans. Well, two of those things did happen. Um, two of them, I suppose, happened in a different way. Um, and that's the thing about planning, isn't it? That you can plan, but you have to be uh, you also have to plan for the fact that sometimes the plans don't always work out and be ready to move with that. So. Um, and, the, and the thing I think for people to understand is that that's actually OK. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, like it, it's great to have a plan, to have an, an outline of how you see things happening. But plans change all the time. I mean, we just came out of the pandemic. Like 
I think all the plans everyone had were thrown up in the air. So you, you just have to always be ready for things that'll come from the left field. Sometimes you can't possibly re- be ready, but <laughs> that's the nature of, of business. But here's a question for you then, because there is this argument that, you know, there's one side of the argument, which is fail to plan, plan to fail. And the other side of it is, mm. yeah, but what if the plans don't work? You know, is there any point to planning? Now, you in retrospect, the, where we're able to look back and say two out of the four things that you had planned for didn't quite happen as you expected. Are you still a mm. fan of planning? Absolutely. OK, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think uh, you know, planning is very important. Uh, I think the learning that comes from a plan that doesn't work out is like. Amazing. You know, you, you you want you want failed plans all the time because that that's where the little gems of knowledge come from. Um, and it just, you know, as you move through business, as you go through the years, the plans get more and more in tune with what you really are and what you're really about. Um, but you have to go in with some idea of where you're going and where you want to be. And th- that will absolutely change along the way. Totally has changed for me and for the business. Um, but without the original plans, I wouldn't have learned it. I like that idea that it that the business becomes more of who you are. That's an interesting perspective. Mm. I agree with it, but I'd like to hear why you're saying it. Um. Well, I suppose like at the at the beginning, when you go into a business. Uh, you know, I think most people that go into businesses, they have a certain amount of knowledge uh, about what they're doing, but they're learning about business. So they go in with like, so I went in with, you know, a, a measure of knowledge and skincare um, production. Um, but I, I had to kind of learn my way in all the other things. So when you're running a business, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning, and you, you're kind of listening to what other people are telling you, listening to what people who are ahead of you are telling you it should be like, um, and you're trying to emulate that. But often that's not really the way you should do it. It's not the way that works for you or... Uh, so it's kind of doing that, like following that advice, trying, failing, and then you eventually find out what works for you. And that and that absolutely happened with 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 Holos, because I suppose when I started out, e-commerce wasn't massive when I started out. It was just barely kind of getting moving. So I always knew that there was going to be an e-commerce element. So we started out the business with an e-commerce element, but the focus was definitely on getting the product on shelves. Um, and that that was how you sold a skincare brand. So I spent all of my time really focusing on that. Uh, lots of money, lots of travel, um, and all of the advice and all of the mentors and everyone guided me in that direction because that's how business was done. Um, And it was only kind of e-commerce was only really starting and there was no expertise in e-commerce then. So I just kept doing what I was been told to do and doing what, you know, doing it how it's always been done. Um, 
and not doing so well at it. I mean, okay, some would say I did well in that the business is still here. So I obviously did something right, but it wasn't going to be a viable business if I only followed that route. So in it became more about not about me particularly, but it became it just makes a lot more sense to me now that, you know, we now follow the e-commerce route and it took a long time. We had to learn that because there was very few people and very little expertise there to kind of help me with that. So a couple of things that are very interesting here in our conversation and I and when we met the last time, we were f- five years in business and now we're back again. OK, but you revealed a very interesting nugget from that. And that is that the business didn't turn a profit for six years. Yeah. Yeah. So while while you were, you know, talking a good game and getting the word out there and, you know, bigging yourself up because everyone does it. So no worries mm. here. You still weren't making a profit. Yeah. And I know that you are vocal about saying that to people. And I think it's a really important message for people to hear that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Um, Look, I think in the early days of business, um, you know, you have to put on a brave face um, and you have to fake it till you make it. Um, And I did that and I did it well. And I think if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be here. Um, It was really, really, really tough to be kind of going out there and bigging up your brand and, you know, putting yourself uh, in situations that were very, very scary um, because you knew in your heart and soul how tiny you were, but you're like making it seem like you're a much, much bigger brand um, and kind of taking risks that made you look like a bigger brand. Um, And yeah, it was tough going, but like I don't think people realize how kind of how normal that actually is uh that you know you do spend the first few years you know trying to raise funds uh just like begging people to work with you <laughs> and taking what you can get uh to keep the business running um and yeah like that's true I think one of the years in that kind of first six years, uh, we broke even, which was amazing. Um, and then I think the following year, we just fell down the hole again. But like once you find your model and what works, I mean, we're very profitable now. We we it, like we turned it around in a year um, and we won back all of the losses that we had made in the first five years. Um, Let's talk about that in a minute. I just want to poke at something. Five years ago, did we have imposter syndrome? Because you must have felt like an imposter. Or did you? Did that even occur to you? Or were you in the fake it till you make it kind of vibe, knowing that there was gonna, it was going to turn? Like what happened? Was there a moment that you decided, I've got to change this? Um, I hate the whole term of imposter syndrome. Um. I, I, I think, you know, I, I deserve to be where I was. I don't, I don't, I I was just, 
I was just doing what I, I think any business person would do and I deserve to be there the same as anyone else um, did. I suppose I had times where I felt out of my depth. Um, I think for the most part, I believed uh, that I was going that we were going to do it. I think 2019 was a really hard year and it was probably the first year that I really felt, oh, this is not not this is not working and I really did feel it was getting like very very hard work to keep up the momentum and yeah there probably was a little bit of what we would call imposter syndrome in there um I remember you saying to me I said what kept you going then and you said because everyone else believed in me yeah well that's it like that's it and like everyone else did in 2019 like everyone else believed in me and that was my year of like just it was so hard like when you were really I was really starting to lose belief in myself um but like I was looking around at like my team and you know cut the customers that we did have and you know stockists we were working with people who were you know giving like fun you know like in investors that had come on board in the early days, uh, the bank believed in me. They gave me more. They gave me money. <laughs> so, so I was like, OK, something must be making sense here, even if it's not making sense to me right now. Um, what I, I, I suppose I, I felt at the end of 2019, it was 2020 20, was going to be make or break. And I was right. Um, so I suppose when I look back, I'm like, I must have known something. Because I, I did know we had a new range coming out in 2020 and I knew that it was like it was a really, really good collection of products. I knew it was going to move us up a notch in the whole skincare sector. Um, and I knew for sure that if we continued to you know, go downhill even after this range had been launched, well, then there was something seriously wrong. Um, and luckily, uh, 2020, which, you know, the world changed in 2020, but it it, it was an amazing year for, for Hollos and we've just kept going since. So this is a wonderful part of the story, which is, I'm, I'm going to say this and you can go, no, you're not right, Fanola, but COVID nearly made you. COVID did a lot of things. I suppose, I mean, COVID threw everything up in the air. It was absolute madness. Like we were launching our new range in March, 2020. <laughs> Just at that beautiful point. In March, <laughs> uh, li- literally, like our media launch was the week after everything closed down. I think it was the 20th of March or something. Um, and everything was cancelled. All our orders were cancelled, um, you know, all our pharmacy orders. At that stage, we were dealing more with pharmacies and health stores. We were, our business was more wholesale and B2B than it was online. We had an online business, but it was only 30% of our revenue. So our focus was very much on um, wholesale. Um, so everything, all our orders were cancelled and uh, so it was like for a couple of weeks and we had to close like manufacturing, cl- everything closed. And like we are, we make, we hand make our products on site in Wexford in small batches. So we don't have a long runway of product to keep us going. So we 
manufacturing closed, orders um, were cancelled, and it was like about two weeks of absolute mayhem where I thought this is it we're gone until I realized by the end of March we had doubled our turnover on the year before the March it was like everything went online really quickly um like literally overnight it went online and like that that happened for a lot of a lot of businesses um and i've spoken to a lot of businesses since and so many say to me oh it was great but it's just gone back to the way it was before covid and you know i thought that was very very odd but i think what happened was we saw what happened during covid saw the model worked very very well for us um and we put every resource that we have into online um and it's worked for us you know it, it's just been an amazing turnaround for the business we're now 80 percent of our revenue is now online you compare to only 30 only 30 percent pre-covid um and it just keeps growing mm. i love it i love it you're amazing at what you do but it hasn't translated into the success you wished for. You want to make a bigger impact and it's time to do something about it. It's time that your brand, your website and all your messaging speak to that bigger vision you have for your business. So if you're ready to build a business that moves you, moves you professionally, financially and personally, then this is our invitation to design your own success. Design Your Own Success is the ultimate live and in-person program dedicated to businesswomen like you. Say goodbye to endless decision-making and fragmented initiatives that never seem to move the needle far enough. Instead, spend five days in November with us and our winning team at the Brook Lodge in McCredden Village, fast-tracking your success. Design Your Own Success, five days in-person, packed with exactly what you need to take your business to the next level. Find out more at designyourownsuccess.com and register your spot today. This is Finola and Lucy. And we can't wait to meet you there. So here's a question for you. You always knew that e-commerce was going to be really important for you and you couldn't find the expertise in this country. And I remember when we were speaking, you you mentioned that you wanted to, you wanted to work with someone who had done it for another brand. But there was nobody who'd done it for another brand here. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. in the end, COVID yeah. hits and you're faced with teaching yourself. Am I right in saying that? <laughs> what was that like? Because I love that. I love that you had to go, shit, I've got to do it myself now. <laughs> Luckily, I think, and for a lot of people in business or entrepreneurs, uh, we're good at at just mucking in and learning where we have to learn. So uh, I, but I suppose I also have a, a, a team member, Ava, who, um, you know, is my, is my marketing manager now, who also loves to learn. So it was kind of like the two of us teamed up and went, what do we need to do here? What was her role at that point before you did all this? Um, she was doing some digital, but like we were so small, she was packing orders. She was customer service. She was, we were, we were all everything, uh, and anything at, at, at that point, you know, whereas now like her, her role is just marketing. Um, uh, so it, it was me and her 
that I suppose teamed up and went, what do we need to do here? Um, of course, we availed of the the LEO voucher for update the website one. What What's it called? I can't remember. Um, trading online voucher. Yeah, we did that. Then we, you know, we had a couple of, I suppose, sessions with a like kind of digital advertising um, uh, professional. Uh, who taught us how to do all our own ads. Um, so we learned how to do our own ads. We learned how to work with analytics. We just got a, you know, we doubled down on content. So basically we just, we produced tons and tons and tons and tons of content um, that we put out on social media. So, uh, and we do that organically, but we also do it paid. We focused a lot on our um, on our email marketing, uh, you know, getting the subscribers up. We started focusing on getting more views for our products, um, and we worked. I started working with brand ambassadors. So all of those things, everything feeds into a digital strategy that we're really, really strict about and is planned, like. To within an inch of its life, <laughs> to be honest, um, and everything is measurable, uh, so we can see what's working and what's not. Um, and look, it, it's like it's we're continuing to learn all the time. Um, but the th- the thing is that we're doing all of that in house now, which is a much lower cost to hiring an agency. Um, like I was lucky, I suppose, with Ava on the team that she was happy to come into a company with her eye on a marketing uh, role, but with there not being enough there for her to be be a full time be full time in marketing. So she mucked in and she did the packing of the orders and the customer service and all of the other things that had to be done um, until that role has now become full time. Um, and so there's some there's a real. I think there's a real lesson there for a lot of businesses, which is everything I've learned so far is that ultimately you need to do your own ads. In my experience, because you are the person who has the finger on your own pulse of what's coming down the line of the stories that you hear from your customers. There's a resonance there that is like a shorthand which allows your ads to have more impact because you are on that pulse, your own and theirs. You think that's fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, like a, a lot of our content is informed by the questions that come from our customers um, or, uh, you know, like, I mean, th- they are invaluable. Obviously, they keep the business going because they buy from us. But your community of users is invaluable because every day they are giving you ideas on what content you can put out there you know so like we'll get a question i'll i'll write it down and like at the end of the month i will record a video answering that question because i know if one person has it several people have it um so definitely when it comes to ads i mean i remember uh years ago i worked with with google um and just the you know the ads they wanted to put out for us just I, I they they just weren't the type of ads that we would put out. I was like that it's so, they're cold. They're not talking to our customer. It's like so everything that we do is with the customer in mind, and I think that's really important that every piece of content, every message you put out there, 
should have your user at the core of it. You know, and even if they even if they don't buy, even if you're just talking to people that have, you know, that are interested in skincare, they haven't bought, they're watching it or whatever, that they're coming away with some little nugget of information, something valuable, like content should hold value, even if you never get a customer from it. But the thing is that you keep giving value, eventually those people will become customers. Particularly if the value is a recognition of the value that's important to them. Because sometimes when I'm, I meet with people and you talk about, you know, the idea of a lead magnet, which is something that they might download from a site or consume or whatever. And when someone starts in business, often it's a very throwaway thought of, sure, I'll just do an L meditation for them. That'll be fine. And they don't think about it. Whereas in actual fact, that's a pivotal piece of a, a conversion point in their relationship with you, that it has to be valuable to them, not just easy for you to give. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, always, always, always like, and, and it's, I, you know, say that to the, to the team as well. It's like, if I read something and there's, it's just, it, it, there's no point in it just being words. There has to be something there. Small little learning, um, you know, uh, what, I, yeah, with the customer and they're more likely to be, well, I, I, you know, it depends on the sector. Like, uh, I mean, for, for us, skincare, people are looking for products that work. Like our products are mid-tier. They're not cheap. They're not the, the most expensive, but they're not like cheap products. So, you know, you want people to buy them. You want, you know, there needs to be a good reason and it needs to be actually solving a problem for them as well. You know, did your pricing strategy change in the in this 10 year period? Uh, yes. Can you say they're mid-tier? Were you always mid-tier? We were, you... were I suppose, mid-tier, mid but we've probably got, our ingredients have changed. Like, you know, a lot of our newer products um, would have, um, you know, more, I suppose, uh, more active ingredients that cost a lot more money basically. Um, and we do use yeah. very premium ingredients um, and then packaging as well. You know, the, quite often when you, you wouldn't think it, but to be more eco-friendly, it can be sometime, can sometimes cost more money as well. So, so, uh, and yeah, look, inflation, we all know all about it. Like we have, yeah. we have products that are costing us twice the amount to produce now. Even if we're buying, even when we're buying a bulk, like it's just amazing, like the, you know, packaging in particular, how the prices have gone up. Um, and Brexit affected you uh, also? Yeah, look, Brexit had at the beginning was the, you know, like, like everything, we were scared into oblivion with Brexit. We didn't know what was happening and it was a huge upset and it was a bit annoying for the first year. And it can still be a bit annoying, actually. Um, with, but I suppose business-wise, um, there was a bit of upset with some of our suppliers, uh, who you know it took a while for them to kind of get the whole, um, you know, shipping into Ireland and customs and filling in the right documentation, all that. That was annoying, and then it definitely has made it harder to sell into the UK um, as well. Uh, now we do 
like we sell online into the UK and yes, if they go over a certain amount, they end up paying VAT um, or customs at the other end. And sometimes that can cause a problem, but we do have it on our website going, if you purchase over a certain amount, you are liable for um, charges when it arrives in your country. So it's it's communication. It is communication. It is communication. And the problem at the beginning is that no one really knew what was going on. So it was very hard to communicate anything. Um, but now it's definitely settled down uh, with the odd issue still. Um, like the, the thing is, when something comes into the country in Ireland and it goes into customs, it might as well be floating around in the abyss because you can't actually contact <laughs> anybody in customs and no one knows who to talk to. And it's, you know, you're kind of just waiting. So I find that the issues happen once it gets into the country and it's clear in customs now because everything is just going through customs. There's so much going through that there's always a delay. Is that something you become used to and just say it's just par for the course? Yeah. Like, is it, do you get, yeah, because yeah. I presume we can't be getting upset every time this happens. No, like you have to go, look, the lead time on this has become longer now. You know, you just have to work it into the planning. Like, you know, if someone's, if, you know, source says we shipped uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean you're going to get it tomorrow. You're like, OK, great. It'll land in Ireland, but it could be a week or two weeks in customs. So, you know, you, you, you just plan, go with you plan it. for that. Yeah. Cool. What else can you do? I know. <laughs> but I know that in the as you're starting processing that information in your head and when it's the unknown, it just can throw people off really quickly. Completely, completely. Um, and I suppose for I think I think it's very stressful on, you know, on a, on a very small business, like someone who's working on their own, maybe and selling some products online, it can be very hard to to manage all of that and to manage cash flow when something comes in and suddenly you're now paying VAT on it. And, you know, so I think it's upsetting for the very small um, business. Definitely. Any tips for them how to deal with that? Um, well, I think definitely when you're, well, I think definitely when you're, when you're buying from the UK in particular, uh, don't just take the price as is, you know, uh, add on, add on 23% VAT, um, add on shipping and add on a potential of customs duty because you don't know. A lot of the time you don't know what the customs duty of on anything is unless you go on to the Tarek website and go through the reams and reams and reams and reams and reams of information there to find your particular product and find what the percentage customs on it is. I always stick on about 6% um, just to be sure. Quite often there isn't any, custom, uh, any customs duty on it. Um, so yeah, just add on the 23% VAT and 6% ballpark for a cost for customs duty for cushion and then there's always a charge there's always a charge by the shipper as well say if if it's coming in dpd or dhl or whoever uh, they'll always put a charge on it for for having to put it through customs to process the whole thing so so definitely the 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 cash flow is affected for the smaller business uh for sure um for for us i suppose i kind of the way I see it is it comes in and I'm lumped with a VAT bill. I just go, great, that's another bit of the VAT bill page. Brilliant. It's going to be a lesser lump sum when the, when in two months time, <laughs> you know. And that's a good so. way to approach it. 
interesting yeah. um, comments that in our kind of intro conversation, when you compare what it was like to do business five years ago to what it's like to do business now, you said nowadays the strategy I had then when I started wouldn't work. They actually have to have heard of you first. Mm. So you have yeah. to, like before, I remember the stories of you knocking on doors and going in and being in front of them so that they couldn't escape you, whereas they wouldn't allow you in the door now. Yeah. So like when I started out, I was like getting in my car, driving around Ireland, uh, staying in hotels, well, hotels <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and I was knocking, basically knocking on doors and people were I could walk out with an account, which happened regularly. Um, and that was brilliant. Like, I, I, you know, that that's what got me off off the ground and gave me a little bit of traction to, I suppose, go to funders and to, you know, to do all of that. It was certainly not going to make uh, uh, my fortune, but it definitely gave me, um, you know, a bit of credibility. Um, but now, uh, like, there's no point in knocking on a door unless uh, they they've heard of you. If you walk, great, walk in. Uh, but if they haven't heard of you, you'd be you've very little chance of of getting any kind of recognition. So my, you know, what I would say to anyone starting out now is to really, really, really work on your digital presence, like before you even launch a product, start working on your digital presence. Before you even launch a business, just when you're in planning, start working on your digital presence. You know, getting, and I think people can be a bit funny about new businesses. They don't want to talk about it before they put it out there or they're afraid someone might copy or whatever. I'm like, no, absolutely talk about it, put it online, start gathering information from people, whatever it is that you, that you need to do and uh, getting in contact with people, making connections online. Um, you know, and, and I think that now business is definitely, you know, for us anyway, as a brand, as a skincare brand and any with any consumer brand, um, you know, if you're going to be talking to someone about it and you're, you're asking them for business, they want to have heard of you before, either because they've seen you online or from their own customers. And usually those customers have seen you online and they're, you know, requesting that someone will stock you or whatever. But definitely, I think now, like our business is definitely led by, you know, our, our digital presence. It, it, it's um, and that then leads to getting stocked on shelves. Um, so, yeah, really, really important for anyone who's, who's, you know, who's and I hear so often people going, oh, I hate it. I hate being online. I hate being on video. I hate being, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but you need to get over it. Like, and that's that's just the way it is. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. If you're serious about the business, you just mm -hmm. need to do it. You have to, you just have to. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing with, you know, you can have a business and you can have a business that's just a business and not have a face to it. If you, you can still do it that way by pushing your product out or whatever. But I do think in, in the early days that if the business has a personality or a face to go with it, I think is, is important. Um, 
did you find it hard when you started? Because I, I remember like you're you've such a high presence online. Mm. Like, is it just did it was it hard at the start? Now it's just second nature uh, to you. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, uh, like I no, I never like I don't I don't get that whole idea of people that people say, oh, my God, I, I don't know what to say. And I, like, to me, I'm talking to myself. Like I'm looking at myself on the screen <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I don't think about it. I don't think that I'm talking to loads of people. It doesn't it doesn't really enter my mind. I just talk. And the thing is, I know my product inside out. It's like second nature to be talking about it. And, and I suppose at the beginning, yeah, it's a bit harder when you're kind of learning your way uh, and you're it, it's not so much the audience that might be scary. It's more that you're you're trying to get to grips with your product and what it is and what it does and the the benefits and and all of that stuff and you're trying to get all the information in and and it's learning what the important information is. Like I remember going back at the very beginning. Um I was really lucky to um, be invited on to do a segment on Expose. Do you remember Expose? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so back in the day, Coco Brown, uh, owned by Marissa Carter, um, uh, sponsored a segment on Expose. And I met Marissa at a, an event and she invited me along to Coco Brown, basically sponsored my segment on uh, and I remember she did a little like, beforehand. She was like, OK, this will be a question. What are you going to say? And I was rabbiting on about like ingredients and all that stuff. And she was like, no, stop. She's <laughs> like, they don't care. It was like, what is it going to do for the customer? What is it going to do for people? That's what you need to talk about. The benefits, the benefits, the benefits. How is it going to make your life better? How is it going to improve your skin? And I'll never forget that. And that and that really like, you know, that's the the things that might matter to you and the things that you think are amazing uh, may not be what are important to the person who's going to buy your product um, or buy your service or whatever. It's how you're going to make their life easier, how you're going to improve their lives, their lives. What, you know, why do we buy anything? It's for us. It's about I, us. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who was doing their website for the first time. It was just somebody I met locally. And she said, Fanola, could you have a look at this before we, you know, send it to the web designer? And I said, OK, we need to think about who your customer is, what their pain point. What are you, you know, how are you helping them? We've got to get them to connect with you to solve, you know, their, you know, what's going on with them. And she said, but I thought, is the website not supposed to be about us? And I went, no, it's supposed to be about your customer. And yeah, just exactly. the penny dropped. And it's amazing that shift in thinking that you realize you're actually in service to your customer. Absolutely. They inform everything. Um, and that, and that's for us, like, I mean, as well, like our new products are product. Like when I started making products, there were products that I thought were lovely. Now I make products because their products were asked for. Uh, they're products that, you know, you can see people are talking about online. They're like they're, they're types of uh, of ingredients and products that, uh, uh, and, and results that people want. Like that that's what informs everything. There's no point in doing something just because you love it. Hopefully you'll love it and the customer will love it. But um, and the older I get, I'm, I'm very uh, much 
<laughs> about the benefits that my product can do for me as well. But um, uh, yeah, it's all has to be about the customer. The you that was here five years ago and the you that's here now, mm. there's changes. What are the changes? Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm a profitable business. Not, we're a profitable business. Hollows is a profitable <laughs> business now. Um, I'm very sure about what the brand is now. I, I think back back then, uh, I thought I was sure about it. Um, and, and definitely, I was starting to get a clearer picture because I know we were, we were uh, that conversation happened just before we launched our our new range or maybe a year before it. So that I always, I knew it was becoming clearer to me what our product was um you know that that it, it's a it's a bridging a gap between kind of natural green ethical skincare and scientifically proven cosmeceutical skincare that we're taking the good bits from both and putting them together to give you uh something that allows you to 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 get both choices you don't have to choose one over the other um so I think I was starting to see it. Now I'm really, really clear on what our product is. I'm really clear on who our customer is. I'm really clear on our mission, our vision. On I, I, I'm just like, and that, oh, I mean, it's so much easier to do business when you're clear on those things. Um, You know, I, and I think that's the early years are hard because there's very few businesses that go in knowing straight off the bat what they are, unless they are like, unless you've gone into a business with oodles of money behind you and you've been able to sit down with some, you know, branding, marketing expert um, who has really fine tuned everything for you. There's very few small businesses can do that. Um, so you do spend the first few years figuring all that out. Um, and I was only really starting to get to grips back then when I spoke to you, um, whereas now I'm very, very, very clear. Um, and everything feeds into that then. Do you think you're tougher now? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely tougher. You have you have to be tougher. Uh, I mean, I'm still very nice. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think you have to be. <laughs> I believe you. I, I know that you are. I just I know, love I you to say it. Yeah, I don't think you don't have to you don't have to be horrible um, and I don't want to swear on your podcast. Um, you don't you don't have to be uh, a, a really awful person to do business well. I think firm, firm and fair is kind of the way I would do things. Um, I don't I say no a lot more now. Um, I don't jump at every opportunity. Um, you know, I don't I, I don't. I don't get excited about things as much as I would have back in the early days because I'm so aware that, you know, like sometimes an opportunity might look like an opportunity, but when you delve down into it, it's not really an opportunity at all and it's not, it doesn't really work for your business. So I think I'm, I'm, I could sort of go in with more of a level head and kind of measure everything up. And then if it doesn't, if it doesn't work for us, I say no. And if it does, I say yes. Whereas before I was just kind of um, going, yeah, that sounds good. I'm believing what people tell me kind of like, I mean, everyone is trying to do business. So they come to you and they tell you this is going to do this, this, this and this, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and I tend, I suppose, not to believe that anymore. I just will 
sit down with the information and then say yes or no. Um, Based on your experience. You have to get harder. Yeah. Based on experience. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Based on experience. What's next Um, for Hollis? Oh, well, we're um, we're growing at a phenomenal rate. Uh, Like we doubled business last year. We're going to more than double it again this year. Um, we're bursting at the seams in our premises. Um, I mean, I wouldn't like to give you a wider shot because we're on, we're on video here talking. <laughs> uh, but like, <laughs> um, so we're moving to a new a new premises. Um, hopefully, we'll be in by early twenty twenty four. It's five thousand square foot um, premises, so it allows us to increase our capacity to produce and to distribute. At the present, we're turning away business and I'm turning away opportunities because we just don't have the capacity to produce the product um, that we need to in the space that we're in. So the premises move just is going to be a game changer for us because we'll be able to produce more. We'll be able to uh, hire more uh, people, which we need, but I literally don't have the space for them um, to physically be here. Uh, so it's going to be, yeah, it's, that's going to be absolutely brilliant for us. And then I've also, we had a very big hire this year in that I hired a full-time chemist, um, and cosmetic formulator up to now, uh, I have been formulating and then I did have a formulator that came in and worked with us on our, our on our last range like she came in on contract but now we've got our own full-time chemist and formulator so it allows us to innovate more uh efficiently and to launch products more regularly um and just to always been working to always be working on new things and improving what we do have um so it's so it's yeah it's uh, so new new ranges new premises more capacity um, more customers, more, more donors. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> what would you like people to walk away with? And will it come back in five years? <laughs> so we can Absolutely do it again. Absolutely <laughs> come back in five years. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you from my yacht in the Caribbean in five years time. No I love problem. It. <laughs> I love it. I want to be on the yacht. <laughs> <laughs> That's a- that is a much better idea, Fanola. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So a thought to leave people with today. Um, oh, God, there's so many things. It's hard to pick one. Uh, I think I, I think probably I, I think based on maybe our conversation today, mm. uh, I would say that like if you're, you know, don't worry if you don't know everything. It's actually it's actually normal not to know everything. It's it's OK. And it's absolutely okay to make mistakes uh, because they are where you're going to get the little gems of knowledge that are going to drive your business forward. I think that's it. (laughs) Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Neve, check her out on LinkedIn or on holos.ie. That's H-O-L-O-S dot I-E. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode so I can do more of them. What would you like to know more about? Send me a quick message. Thanks so much.